0: Today uh, we're talking about worship, and this is uh, part two. So we started last week, and last week we talked about um, uh, three really basic things. You know, we enter into the presence of God with thanksgiving, right, and we thank Him for what He has done, right, for what He has done, how He has blessed us, what, what He has given to us. We're, we're thankful, and that's number one. So we also learn that because of that, we can keep ourselves in the presence of God all the time, right, but the type of thing that gets us out of the presence of God is entitlement, Right? Because there's no thankfulness and entitlement. And so we we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and we're in it. Now we also talked about this conundrum that many people wonder, well, isn't God always with us? I mean, he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He's always with me. And so we also talked a little bit about what it means You know, when the presence of God is moving, when we say stuff like we're going into the presence of God or we feel the presence of God, right? And that's the fact that we become more conscious about him who lives in us than everything or anything that is, whether it's negative or problematic or whatever, that is distracting in the world. Because greater is he that's in me than he who is in the world. So when I become more conscious about him who is in me, then he who is in me is not just living in me, but it's now living through me. And it's moving, right? And that's what we feel, and that's what we talk about when we say, you know, oh, did you feel the presence of God? It's not like God wasn't here or wasn't living inside of us, but it's that he is moving now because we have chosen to fix our thoughts, our soul, our will, and emotions, and everything on him. We have magnified him. Are you following? Okay, so we thank him for what he has done, for what he has given us. We praise him for who he is, praise his name, who he is, his character, his ability, right? Like Nick says, that's the word onoma, which is the character and authority of God, his character, who he is. That's all the names of God, right? So we praise him just for the very fact of who he is. Like if he had done nothing else, he still deserves praise for who he is, okay? And then third, we worship him, and that's a response to his presence. That's, that's the reason the angels are captivated and singing nonstop around the throne of God. Holy, holy and worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain right because now we are responding to his presence like it, it's 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 the part where your passion starts building up to the point where singing is not enough clapping's not enough you got to jump you got to you know and that's what happened with King David in 2nd Samuel when King David brought back the ark of the Lord into the city and I'm mentioning this because I, we don't have time to go into this one but the young adults got that teaching last Sunday night and that was pretty fun but King David brings the presence of the God, the Ark of the Covenant, back into the city. And he is so thankful, so passionate, so excited about it, right? Because he, he, he knows the power of the presence of God. And he's bringing it back into the city. And he starts dancing before the Lord, right? He starts dancing before the Lord. And let me tell you that David's dancing wasn't like a... It actually describes his dancing as violently twirling. <laughs> wow. I mean, something I couldn't even do right now yet because my leg's not even there yet. Not quite, you know. But that's, that's how David was dancing before the Lord. And that was not because he had to, not because even all the things that he had done. But that was a response to the presence of God that was right there, right, in the Ark of the Covenant coming into the city with him. And so worship is when we get to that place where I'm no longer thinking about just thank you for what you've done. But now I'm responding to the tangible presence of God that's in the room, that's keeping me captivated and just in awe of him. And if you've never been there, then you need to, you know, keep pressing in through thankfulness, through praise to get to that place of worship where you're so focused on him that you can't take your eyes off of him, right? It's the invisible God. And so today we're going to talk about uh, worship in spirit and in truth and what that means. So open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 4, verse 21. Let me tell you, if you learn worship, it, it will change your life. It will transform your life forever. If you learn how to worship in spirit and in truth, because it's not, you know, what just normal Contemporary church shows, which is just we show up, we clap and sing a little bit before service so that we can feel good. Really? Yeah, really. Right? It's not just that, you know? But yet, many people just say, like, oh yeah, worship is just to prepare your heart to receive the word. No, it it does that, but that's just a byproduct. Like, worship is where you're being transformed by directly connecting with the Spirit of God. As you behold, 1 Corinthians, right? As you behold, you're being transformed into the image of God, more and more into the image of God. And so we need to learn to behold because we live in a society today that the... The one thing that I can behold is the the thing on their hand, which is a phone, right? You can behold that phone for a long time and scroll and scroll. But can we behold the presence of God? Can we behold his glory? Can we behold and just like without any device in front of us, without anyone speaking to us, can we just like behold his glory and say, God, you are Amazing, you are God, you're the one true God, you're powerful, and you're mighty. And the things you've done, and the promises you've given us, and the sacrifice of your son like it's never ending. So that's why we're learning, amen. John chapter 4, and we're going to go to verse 21, and in verse 21. Um, what we have here is Jesus and the woman at the well. Okay, the Samaritan woman at the well, and they're having a discussion about worship. Okay, and so um, we'll read, and then we'll talk a little bit about. It. It says Jesus replied, "Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem." Okay. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. So first of all, you know, it's talking about a geographical location. It's saying it's not going to matter anymore where you offer your worship. Because if you remember last week we said worship is not something you do, but it's something you bring. And when we look at the Old Testament, when they came to worship, they went to a place, a specific geographical location, and they brought their gifts and their sacrifice, and that's how they worshiped. And we said last week, we know God don't, no longer requires animal sacrifices for our worship. But Romans 12.1 uh, says to present ourselves as the living sacrifice. And this is acceptable worship. So that's why we come and we present ourselves. And I love how everybody was so on time today ready for worship. You guys. <laughs> and we come and we present ourselves, Right. And now we're the ones, and it's a sacrifice of worship because many times you've just come from a fight. You've just come from an argument. you just come from bad news. you just come from stressful things, pressing, right? But you're sacrificing. You're saying, nope, I am putting all of that down, and I'm presenting myself, and I am going to sing to the Lord with all my soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions, right? And that's your offering because you prepared. You said, I'm going to bring worship to God, and that's myself. All of me. All right. And so he's telling this woman, it's no longer going to matter whether you worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem. It says, and then verse 22 says, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him for salvation comes to the Jews. So it's also more important to know the one we worship. Okay. That's that's very important that, that we know who we're worshiping. So let me put it this way. Uh, Knowing about the one we worship is important because the knowledge of him, okay, will drive our passion to worship. In other words, if worship is something that we present, the quality of what we're presenting has to do with our knowledge of him, okay? If you don't know anything about him, your worship might be very shallow not saying it's not good. I'm, I'm saying start wherever you're at. But what I'm saying is the more I know of him, who he is, his deeds, his wonders, the more I keep in mind the things that he's done for me, as I make sure I do not lose the joy of my salvation and don't take my salvation for granted, we don't ever get over our salvation. We don't get over our healing. We don't get over our testimonies, even if they are 50 years old. We don't ever get over the things that God has done for us and who he is. We don't get over the person of Jesus. He doesn't pass away and now becomes like a thing about, well, yeah, you know, I was very passionate about Jesus back in the 80s or back in the 90s, and, you know, now I'm just more mature and calm. No, you don't get over something that has changed your eternity forever, okay? And so... It's more important that we know about him because that makes our worship, okay, of a greater depth, if we could call it, a higher quality sacrifice of worship that we're bringing him because we have history with him, okay, and we know about the one we're worshiping, right? If you go to a concert for a band who you know nothing about, how much does that mean to you? And if you were to, like, imagine that you're in the band. You don't know. This is the first time you hear this band, Right? And you get picked out of the crowd to come up. Like, and he goes, hey, which was your favorite song about us? And they go, uh, I don't know any of your songs. Does that bring honor to the artist? No, right? So I imagine the same, you know, as I'm explaining this, it's the same type of thing. Like, how much do you know about the one you're worshiping? How much do you know the one you're worshiping? Are you with me? So that's why our knowledge of the word gives us depth into our worship. Okay. Verse 23, um, it says, but the time is coming indeed. He goes, actually, it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Okay, so really important. The time is now. Say with me. The time is now. Okay. And then it talks about when true worshipers, if there's true worshipers, there's also fake ones. <laughs> okay, think about this for a moment. Like, what do we call fake? Like, you know, like someone who is, who says something or is someone here, but then somewhere else you run into them and they're a completely different person. You go, fake. Right. That's fake. So there's true worshipers and there's fake worshipers. <laughs> right. You're on Sunday on your knees at the altar.
1: Lord, I give you my heart.
0: Right. And then you walk out of here and you're giving your heart to anybody that walks by. <laughs> to Anything. Right. It's like there's true worshipers and there's false worshipers. You know, really, the only question here is like, which, which one are you? Don't answer the right hands, nothing. We're not going to do that here. That's just, that's just for you. Like, which kind of worshiper am I? Because where we all want to go is we want to be true worshipers. We want to take our worship to the next level. We, you know, like I said last week, worship is the only thing in the whole service that is not about you. Yet, it blesses you back and it transforms your life more. When you engage in it, how God meant it to be. It ministries to you more than anything else. Because we can't outgive God. And so, it says, but the time is coming, indeed is here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Say with me, in spirit and in truth. Now check this out, I love this part. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in that way. I said, can you imagine? God is looking for those worshipers. He's, I mean, he's like, all right, Sunday morning, let's see. <laughs> Nobody in that church, okay. <laughs> One there, okay. Oh, Vita Church? Oh my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Two worshipers, <laughs> all right. It's just, you know, I'm just joking, of course. There's I'm sure there's a lot of true worshipers everywhere, okay? But we we don't even we can't even judge that. That's a matter of the heart, you know. And so so it says he's looking for true worshipers. Like here's the question: Do you want Father God to stop on your worship when he's looking and be like, ha, there's Michelle. True worshipper. Ha, there's my true worshiper. You know, that's why I wonder, like, does God stop when I'm worshiping and say, like, there's a true word? Because he's looking for true worshipers. He's looking for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. So is he stopping for me and going, ha, there's one. Is he stopping for you? <clears throat> Today could be your day. It says, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He's spirit. You know, there's no other way, no, no other way, no way around that. And then they go, um, you know, talking about other things. But uh, so the location and the outward appearance of the sacrifice no longer matters. It's the heart that matters. Okay. So location could be anywhere. It could be here. It could be in your car. It could be at home. Hopefully every day you have a time of worship, you know, Um, we talked about Hawaii is so powerful when we all worship together, right? we talked about how the Spirit is moving through us. And that's why we feel, you know, a corporate uh, effort of worship, you know, and the Spirit moving so strongly when we all gather together and worship. Um, so God is looking for these worshipers. Okay, so how do we worship in Spirit and how do we worship in truth? So to worship in Spirit, um, we need to realize that the the outward Expression, me raising my hands or dancing or clapping or singing loud, it's an expression of the inward worship, okay? Of the position of my heart. My heart is worshiping the Lord. It starts here. This determines the quality of my worship. Therefore, this is just an expression of that worship, okay? You with me? All right. So, so we know that. that the physical part is just an expression of the inside. So if my spirit is engaged in worship and we talked about how to, you know, get to that place, you know, which is, you know, we go through thankfulness and praise and then worship is our response. You know, it's our spirit is responding to His presence and it's, you can't be stopped. You know, you're you're so fixed on Him that, you know, your, your mind is nowhere else. Your, your whole... Body, soul, spirit is engaged with God, right? So, so our spiritual worship is very, um, will, will produce an outward or a physical expression of that. So that's kind of how we know, okay? But it's a personal thing. That's how you know. Wow, I'm really into it this morning, right? Or you're just somewhere else, okay? Um, and then in truth, it talks about, um, so who's the truth? Jesus is the truth, right? He's the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, and then the Bible tells us in John that when we know the truth, the truth sets us free. Okay, so if I'm worshiping God in truth, then I'm also experiencing freedom. That's one of the characteristics or one of the byproducts or the fruits of true worship is that I experience freedom. See, most people want to lift their hands, jump and dance, and violently twirl like King David. But they're bound, they're held back by the fear of man. What are they going to say? What am I going to look like? What am I going to sound like? And so they're held back from that. But see, when we When we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and to worship vulnerably before the Lord, like King David did, we will experience new levels of freedom that we've never experienced before. And that just impacts all areas of our life, not just your worship. Like, that impacts everything. Um, Because God is spirit, this is the way he must be worshipped. Let's go to um, yeah, the, the other uh, part of worshiping in spirit is that the, the word spirit means wind, means flow, means flexibility, spirit-led, which is why you will hardly ever uh, find us worshiping in the matter of performance and, and an act here. You know, it's it's been something that we we care more about worshiping in spirit, being spirit-led than having a... a rigid, boxed in, you know, like, you're 10 seconds over, you're not going to lead worship again next week, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, that's why a worship time, you know, you can never time it, like, if it's 25, 30, 35, or sometimes 40 minutes, you know, because we want to worship in spirit, we want to allow the person who's leading worship to have time to, to flow, to see God, you know, where are you leading us, you know, where... Do we need a little more time? You know, it, it, are, Have we accomplished what we needed to accomplish? Are we, are we there? You know what I mean? So that's part of worshiping in spirit. That's why it can't be just like this rigid thing where we just sing this thing three times and then we're done. And now we sing this one time and we're done. That's why it's, it's not a performance. It, it has very little to do with performance. We value more the presence of God than we do professional performance. I'm not, And we certainly, you know, uh, look for excellence, and we certainly, you know, our team is always getting better and improving all that. But if we were more concerned about the, the performance and the quality, we would just hire out, all professional musicians to come into the church, whether they're believers or not, right? But then we'd miss out completely on the whole point of spirit worshiping in spirit and in truth. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> okay, so... Worship requires faith. Worship requires faith. And so even unbelievers thank God when they win the lottery, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even an atheist, it will slip out. of Thank God. What would you say? I'm sorry. No. You know. <laughs> like it's easy to worship God when you win the lottery. Like everybody does that. That's, that's not hard. But it requires faith. To worship God in spirit and in truth, because without faith we're just going back to works, right? In the Old Testament they had to bring worship, and and if they didn't, they were in trouble. They were in trouble, and so they had to bring their sacrifice of worship, right? But that's the Old Testament, the law, and so now today we're redeemed from the curse of the law. We are under the new covenant of grace. So when we bring worship, is a voluntary worship right and it requires faith because if we don't attach faith to our worship then our worship becomes just works just performance this is what we do this is what i have to do this is you know in this church if you don't worship they look at you weird you know no we must worship because it's what we choose to bring and present god and so it requires faith and we must attach faith to our worship for the worship with faith is the kind, of faith, the kind of worship that wins battles. You know how we were singing that last song? It's such a great example of everything we're talking about. When we um, put faith to our worship, we win battles. And that's what a lot of people are missing out on the power of worship because they don't understand what's happening when they're fully engaged in worship. And Philippians 4.6 says, Be anxious for nothing. But in prayer and supplication, present your request before the Lord with thanksgiving. Worship requires faith. Worship without faith is performance. But worship with faith wins battles. So when I present my request before the Lord with thanksgiving... We said Thanksgiving is the basic form of worship, right? It's the, it's the beginning, Thanksgiving. So when I present my request, the things that are making me anxious, okay, the things that are stressing me out, and I present those before the Lord with Thanksgiving, what am I saying? I need, okay, what do I need in order to thank someone for something that hasn't happened? Exactly. You're so smart. Faith, right? How am I going to thank God for something that hasn't happened? Right. Well, I'm doing it by what? Faith. And that's exactly what Philippians uh, uh, 4 6 is telling me. It says to present this uh, request and whatever is bugging me and taking my attention from God, whatever is being magnified in my life, right? Whatever is dominating my thoughts, it's saying, present this to the Lord. Because it's making you anxious. And when you do it, you know, and you ask God for what you need, also thank Him for it. The only way I could thank Him for it is if that form of thankfulness has faith. Right? Faith that He hears me and then He answers me. So that's why my worship will win battles if it has faith attached to it. Okay? if we're supposed to worship in spirit, we're supposed to worship from our spiritual perspective, right? Okay, follow me. Okay, we're talking about worshiping in spirit. So what is our heavenly, our spiritual position? We're seated where? In heavenly places, right? At the hand of the Father, at the right hand of Jesus. right? right, we're seated in heavenly places. That's our spiritual position. So if I'm seated in spiritual places in if that's my Place of um, this that, that if that's my spiritual position, okay, then worshiping in spirit would be worshiping from that perspective, okay. Now, follow me. God lives out of time, right? He's not in time because he's spirit, so he can be out of time. He's the alpha, and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's he sees it all, okay, like a timeline. He's not on our time. He's not on Chronos. He's outside of time. So if my spiritual position is in heavenly places, that means that my spiritual position is also outside of time. Okay? Which empowers me to thank God based on his promises about things that I haven't seen physically yet but I can thank him and praise him for that very promise because from my spiritual perspective, it's already done. Yeah? So it takes the thankfulness to the spiritual side, to a spiritual level, because it's not just now being thankful for what he did on the timeline of Kronos, but now I'm being thankful for what he has promised to do and for my spiritual place, I can rejoice and thank God for that. but I need to know the word also, right? Otherwise, I won't know that. So how can I praise him for something I don't know that I already have from a place that I don't know that I am? <laughs> I saw some eyes just go like this. Are you following me? So if we're supposed to worship in spirit, we're supposed to worship from our spiritual perspective, seated in heavenly places outside of time because, you, because God is outside of time, Okay. And so such worshipers he's looking for, faith-filled worshipers that can worship with spiritual eyes. You know, that song says, you know, um, it may look like I'm surrounded, right? So in the physical, it looks like I'm surrounded. So, So the prophet's servant could not get excited because what he saw in the natural was an army coming against him. So the prophet prays, said, Lord, would you open his eyes so that he can see? And so he now sees from a spiritual place, and he's able to rejoice and thank and praise the Lord in spirit. Because now he sees in the spiritual realm that there's more with them than there's against them. And that's the story of our lives. So let's go. Uh, let's go to Second Chronicles. You know, Veronica's not here today, so there's no timer. Nothing. This is awesome. I'm preaching outside of time, in spirit. Woo! Come on, Second Chronicles chapter twenty. Are you getting something out of this today? Say my worship's going to a new level. Say I can't wait to practice. Oh man, only the front road's excited about this? Come on, church. Second Chronicles chapter twenty. <clears throat> okay, and we're gonna start off on uh, verse thirteen. So a little um, um, So the nation of Israel was being threatened, oppressed. Um, they they were they were coming against them, okay? So they were going to fight them and and so they they come to the Lord and they say, "Lord, would you we need your help. Help us, you know. So there's a, a few verses before that they're praying, they're asking God, you know, saying, "Lord, you know, remember us." And so in verse uh, 13, we're going to start and we'll go through all the way through verse 28. So as, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives and children, the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Metaniah, a Levite who was the descendant of Asaph. And he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Mm. Say, the battle is God's, battle is God's. Not, mine. not mine. Okay. And it says, verse 16, Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Gerald But you will not even need to fight. Remember that, like, this is not just Old Testament, but the New Testament reminds us that our, our battle is not against what? Flesh and blood, right? But it's a spiritual battle. And it says, you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged. Tell the person next to you, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Now tell yourself, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Verse 18. Then the king Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. What were they doing? Worshiping the Lord. Lord. Like they're facing a battle, and they're face down to the ground, and they're worshiping the Lord. Let me tell you something. Do you think it takes faith to worship the Lord when your enemies are right there before you? It's like what are we doing? We should be warming up. <laughs> right? No. Instead they're obeying the Lord, but it takes faith to worship the Lord in the midst of a fight. Who's who's in a, in a fight right now? Who's in a battle? Who's got a battle? Okay. Who who has a battle like once a month at least? Okay? Right? Okay. See see we we're constantly facing battles. And and the one thing that is constant in all of these is we should be we should always have an attitude of worship because it's in our worship that God fights our battles now I'm not saying there's nothing that we need to do there's certainly instructions of things that they needed to do and so we follow those instructions but we do all of this with a lifestyle of worship, worship right and it says here um, let's see verse 19 it says when the Levites from the clans of Kohat and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very shout, very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoah. One of Jehoshaphat uh, on the way, sorry, Jehoshaphat stopped and say, "Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in His prophets, and you will succeed." Verse 21, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Who went went at the front? They sent the worship team. They sent the choir. It's not because they were like, hey, they can't fight, so just put them at the front, you know. Like, that was not it. <laughs> it. The battle was led with worship. And so the, the, the worshipers in the front were just leading and setting an example for everyone to worship as well. Which is the whole point of this. Nothing else. The whole point of a worship team and singers is to have someone leading the rest of us into the same worship. They're, more, they're not more than us, they're not more important, they're not, you know, uh, more special than, than you, uh, n- none of that. It's just, it's just the example the Bible gives us, you know, the, that's why we also worship at the beginning of the service. Many times, you know, that's what we say, we're building a place where people encounter God, belong to family, are transformed. Many times people receive the answer, their breakthrough, everything, just during the time of worship, So we're going to do that first. So don't you think you should also do that first at the beginning of every day or at the beginning of every threatening enemy issue, problem, situation that's trying to come against you and put anxiety on you? Shouldn't worship be the first thing that we do? Say, we're going to lead this situation in worship. We're going to be anxious for nothing and we're going to From a place of our spiritual authority, a spiritual place, we're going to thank the Lord for his promises because they are yes and amen. So meaning they are as if they're already done. And so they were singing, give thanks to the Lord. His His faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah, okay, so this is the children of Israel, like the people of God, said when they arrived at the lookout point into the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground. As far as they could see, not a single one of the enemy had escaped. You got okay. So I don't know if you understand what happened. They start worshiping. They're way over here, right? They can't see their and they're on the other side of the mountain. They can't see their enemies, and they're like, all right, here we go. You know, you ready? Yeah, ready. We're gonna. They put the worship team at the front. I don't know why, but let's just go, just worship, right? And they're singing, you know, give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. You know, here they come, and they're like, are you ready? We're getting closer. We're getting closer. His love endures forever, and they come to the top of the mountain, and they look and they see. Where they're going to fight. And they're all dead already. (gasps) That's amazing. That's God. Like they didn't even have. Because our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. And when we worship. He wins. He fights and wins the battles for us. In the most supernatural wild ways you cannot even imagine. Because again to you. Nobody could have called that one. So how's our worship life? Verse 25, King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. Man, so now just just going to go gather the plunder. Like that's pretty good deal. You worship, you won't even have to sweat except from dancing and worshiping, right? And then when you get to it, you just gather the plunder. Because God fought the battle for you and he already has your reward. Because you trusted and you obeyed. Say, I will trust and obey. Okay. So, and it says, um, they found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. This is the kind of battles I want to fight. And it tells us how to do it. It's in worship. Oh, but you don't know. The economy is about to collapse. So, I mean, it's just, it's about to, you know. It's going to happen any moment. You're just going to take the floor from under us, go. Pfft. What are we going to do? Worship. Well, that's a great idea. <laughs> but how are we going to do this? How are we going to survive? How are we going to make money? Like, if everything dries up, you know, if the money dries up, what are we going to do? How is singing going to solve anything? (laughs) You can only worship in spirit and in truth if you attach what to it? Faith, Faith, right? Because his promises never change. He's still Jehovah Jireh, our provider. That's who he is. He's still our God who supplies all our needs. Not just what we need, but more so that we can abound for every good work and be generous to others. Right? Right? Does that change when the economy changes? Does that change with the president? Does that change with Congress? Does that change because of China? Does that change because of your boss? That, your boss. He's the problem. We thought everything was going good until we remembered about our boss. Right? Or your clients. Is it your clients? Or the city where you live. Is that the problem? You're supposed to come up, you know, after worshiping the Lord, show up to work and just look and be like, oh, let me bring my backpack. And you start just collecting the plunder. (laughs) That's the hard work of rest. It's the hard work of worship. (laughs) It says, um, verse 26, on the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day, because the people praised and thanked the Lord Lord, there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing today. Man, we live in a valley, huh? we we'll call this the Valley of Blessing. Is our Valley of Blessing. Hmm. Our Valley of Blessing is not just a geographical place. It's a spiritual place. The Valley of Blessing is where we choose to live because we... Worship the Lord in faith, and we follow His instructions. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed. See, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. See, there was worship in the beginning, and there was worship in the end. The second thanksgiving that we just read here was because of what the Lord had done. The first thanksgiving was a spiritual worship in faith. For what they had not seen with their eyes, but what the Lord had promised to them spiritually. What has the Lord promised you spiritually that you need to start attaching worship and thanks to? So that you don't find yourself on the other side of it, just thanking him for what he did. But can you worship him before it happens? That's the question. Because even unbelievers, thank God, when they win the lottery. Which kind of worshipers do we want to be? See, worshipers by faith cause supernatural things to happen. Like this kind of stuff. And it gives us testimonies. And it says in verse um, 28, They marched to Jerusalem to the music of harps, lyres, and trumpets. And they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. Mm. They went to church. (laughs) Worship always precedes victories worship always precedes victories so when I worship in spirit it leads me to win battles because I'm in faith when I'm not I'm complaining wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. you know where that sounds keeps you it keeps you in the desert going around for 40 years wah, wah. wah. We don't have good food. We're tired of manna. we It's too hot. Everything I don't have. Wah, wah, wah. There's no worship in that sound. <laughs> sound of wine. <laughs> Spirit of... When I worship in truth... Do you worship before or after? Yes. I want to worship both. God's looking for those that will worship him in spirit. And then truth tr- truth has to do with, um, again, you know, being the same here and out there. Being the same, being just as passionate for God here and in the world where nobody knows about Jesus. Do you take off your Listen, I used to be a fake worshiper. I would be passionate for God on Sundays, right, and then Monday through Friday at school, I was a secret service Christian. (laughs) I really was. I didn't know better, and I was embarrassed. I didn't know the power of God. I didn't know anything. I just had religion, so I was embarrassed because 70% of the population in Mexico is Catholic, so I was the odd one, and so I was fake. See, so how are we outside of here? Because a a worshiper in truth is a natural evangelist. Because what is an evangelist except somebody who is just telling others about their great God and their love for them? Right? If I'm a worshiper in spirit and in truth, then I can't stop from telling people about his goodness. Amen? Amen. There's so much more uh, to praise and worship, um, and uh, but we've ran out of time today. And so there's a, a USB that we sell outside in the bookstore. It's called The Secrets of Isaiah 54. It's a series I, t- I taught a few years ago. I recommend you buy that thing, plug it in your car, and start listening because it'll give you so much more insight to worship and the power of um, our praise and and even the physical stuff that it does for our bodies, you know, in the natural and stuff like that. So I really encourage you to get that. Uh, there's only very few available uh, in English. Make sure you don't get the Spanish one because we have it in Spanish also. It's called The Secrets of Isaiah 54. And then um, and then we're just going to practice this. Amen. We're going to practice this on, um, on Friday night. But you know what? Let's practice it right now. So let's just... Um, Just stand up right where you're at, and we're just going to worship God. And, you know, the, the best time to practice what you've learned is right when you learned it. And then it becomes yours. And so... It's okay. So just close your eyes there and just start thanking the Lord. You know, just let thankfulness come... Come out of your heart. This is going to take a couple minutes, but you know, I really want to give us the that opportunity of the simplicity of worship. That it's really not about we love, you know, how worship sounds and and all that. But but we have to make sure that we keep the heart of worship pure. That we know what it really is about.
1: How I love you. And that's all it says. My soul sings,
0: my soul sings, my soul sings, how I love you. It's a simple song. You don't need to look at words or anything like that. And see, when you're saying my soul sings, what are you saying? is saying my mind, so for my thoughts, for my will, so by choice, and my emotions follow, right? That's how I'm worshiping you. That's how I love you. Tell us. on him, thankfulness to him, praise for who he is, and we worship, Lord, because we feel your spirit moving in this place, the tangible presence of God flowing from us as rivers of living water right now that are touching bodies, are touching minds, they're bringing peace where there's anxiety, where there's fear, peace and confidence and trust right now. the depths of your heart, there's healing happening, wholeness happening in every cell of your body right now because His presence is moving.
1: How I love you my soul sings my soul sings my soul sings come on, go in. How I love My soul sings. All things fighting for your attention. My soul sings how I love you. My soul sings. My soul sings. My soul sings how I So thankful for all you've done and who you are, how I love you, how I love you, how I love you, how I love you, you. we love the sweetness of your presence, Lord, how I love you, we love your spirit, God. Living here right now my soul sick
0: Sickness or disease you're struggling with or um, maybe there's anxiety in your life right now instead of having our whole prayer team come up today we're gonna minister to you right where you at. so just lift your hands up if you're if you have pain in your body if there's a doctor diagnosis a sickness a disease that you're that you're fighting or struggling with if you have anxiety or fear or if there's just simply a battle that you're fighting right now just raise your hand the meanings of worship is surrender. And it's when we come to the place where we say, God, I humble myself because I know only you can win this battle. Only you can bring peace to my heart. Only you can restore my marriage. Only you can provide for my needs. Only you can heal my body, God.
1: So just sing to the Lord. My soul sings. My soul sings, my soul sings how I love you. My soul sings, my soul sings, my soul sings. How I love you. How I love you. My soul sings, with all I have, my soul sings. My soul sings, how I love you. My soul sings, my soul sings, my soul sings, how I love you. Yes, we love you, Lord. How I love you. Yes, God. how I fight my battles, and this is how I fight my battles in worship and in rest. And this is how I fight my battles, and this is how I fight my battles. Yes, this. And this is how I fight my battles. See your battles won And this is how I fight my battles The battle for my life is won And this is how I fight my battles And this is how I fight my battles My victories in Jesus' name My victories in Jesus' name. Come on, see the victory. My victories. Yeah, that's right. My victories in Jesus' name. Keep declaring that my victory. My victory. Come on, see the battle won as you come up to the edge of the mountain and you see the enemies. My victory. You see yourself healed. My victories in Jesus' name. My victories in Jesus' name. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my. Battles. Like this is how I fight my battles thank you God we thank you, we thank you Lord
0: We thank you lord We thank you lord We thank you lord We thank you god We thank you not right now for what you've done lord but now we thank you lord because we see the battle won We thank you We thank you we see the
1: battle won
0: We see the battle won the children of israel did when they when they saw the battle was won and and they rejoice and you know they did something very very um i don't know for some people it'd be like oh that's not very proper but they shouted they shouted for joy so
1: so loud
0: so i'm going to give you an opportunity to shout like you just are collecting the plunder, saying
1: thank you, Jesus! We won! We won! It's done! Thank you, God! Thank you, God! Thank you, God! Thank you, God!
0: Amen. thank you, Lord. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. See, this attitude of worship, we just, we keep it. We, we nurture it, we cultivate it. And every opportunity that we have to do it together, we just do,
1: we just do. Rosa, go ahead. Praise God, praise God. God is saying, just worship, worship. I got this, I got this. This country is mine, it's mine. I have a covenant with you guys. You. And I got this, just worship speak my word and release victory because the victory is won. It is won. Those that are attacking this country will run. They will be so afraid that they want to hide. There's no place. They're gonna hide from God. they cannot gonna hide. And God is saying, just worship me. I got this.
0: Amen. Come on, let's get let's get excited for what's happening, amen. And my life is transformed today because I've taken my worship to a new level. Amen? Amen. Amen. See, God never meant for us to win battles through stress or worrying or anxiety. You know, it's always been the same answer. It's worship. It's in faith. It's in spirit and in truth. Amen. And so we're going to see testimonies. So we want to hear testimonies. Like next week, you know, come and tell me, tell James, tell, tell Pastor Kara, tell, tell us about the testimonies of what God has been has been doing this week and how he's fighting your battles. We hear about this all the time. Don't miss out on this. This is the way. So if you have a big problem this week and you can't come on Friday night, then come on Friday night. Yeah. All right, we love you guys. Um, if you need prayer for anything, I guess... We're still here for you. So, prayer team, come from. Make yourselves available. And then for the rest of you, God bless you. Go get your children because I really went over time. And we love you. And we'll see you next week. God bless you. And get your secrets to Isaiah 54 in the bookstore.